Welcome to Bayside's podcast. Our prayer is that this message will bring you some love, truth and life into all that you do. Oh man, talk about, wow, am I on? Yes, talk about talking me up. Well, there was one thing that you really just said there, uh, which which impacted me greatly and actually lines up with a bit of the message today. Uh, And that is, as we forget ourselves, we find who we are in Him. And so today as we share, as we get around the Word of God and we we discover something about the nature of our King, our Lord and Saviour, I want you to keep that in the back of your mind because it might just help you out a little bit later today. So I... uh, Who wants to play a game? I want to play a game. I've been excited about playing this game the whole time, so I'm looking for a couple of victims. I mean, um, volunteers. Uh, so if you're game enough to come up here and play a game, it's, it's pretty easy. No one's putting their hand up. I'm just going to have to dob some people in. I know Tiff wants to, but I'm, I'm looking for someone. Oh, Jordan. Jordan's coming up. He's been dobbed in. All right. And I'm looking for someone that's, uh, that's seen a few of the years, you know, gone by. So let's, uh, I'm going to dob in John Rayson. Come up here, mate. All right. So when I was working on the east coast of Australia with a bunch of lads building some cabins in a caravan park, we used to play this game. And this game consisted of, what, what, what it was called was Who Sung It? Are you getting where I'm going with this? And so the deal was you had to get who sung the song and the name of the song before anyone else. And then guess what? You get the point. And the person who had the most points at the end of the day, well, they'd get absolutely nothing. So there was really no points (laughs) in the game. But it doesn't matter. We're going to play it this morning. So if I can grab a microphone, please, because I've sort of done my little editing on my, on my phone here. So, uh, and whoever gets it first gets a point. All right, so pass us the... Uh, the um, all right, so what I want you to do is put your hand up first as soon as you recognise it. Are you ready? Nope. <laughs> Nope. All right, we'll just play it through. <laughs> this is why I wanted someone with a few years behind them. What do you, what do you reckon, John? You put your hand... Oh, oh. Did anyone... We got one out there? And the song? Money. Pink Floyd, Money. All right, all right, round two, round two, round two. Are we ready? Are we, are we ready, crew? So far, we've got zero and zero.
Sorry, I just need a just need a vibe for this for a little bit, you know. Oof. Oh yeah. Who would have thought rock in church, hey? Yes! Sorry, I'm just enjoying this a little bit. Woo! Ha-ha. All right, so what was that, John? Oh, all right, we got one point. Very good, very good, very good. So far, we've got one point, an attempt. I have no idea. Are you hopeful for the next one? Uh, yeah, yeah, cool. Cool, all right, all right, okay, 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 all right. All right. Remember, the prize is absolutely nothing. <laughs> so, <laughs> are we ready? Oh, just, just getting on the back end of the dice straights. Oh, yeah, money, 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 but have Oh! Oh! Well, there you go. All right, right, before you go down, all right, because we've got a tie, so we've got to level it up somehow. We've got to level it up somehow. All right. So, first point, last point to either of you two, if you can guess what we're talking about today. Uh, money. <laughs> money! <laughs> Come on. Good on you, Jordan. Hey. I'll give you a high five. Oh, there you okay. go. All right. Go sit down. All right. Your bit's over. <laughs> well done. Yes. Yes. You know, like, uh, it's... Sorry, I just, I just really felt that was a little bit of fun here. Um, now, I just want to say that I'm going to, you know, like, after those songs, I'm going to bet you $100 that you've got money on your mind, right? So far, I'm just... I'm rich, and I... Okay, all right, that was... Anyway, so even if you haven't been thinking about it today or earlier today, uh, most of us, every day, we commit to getting up early, putting some Fruit Loops in our cereal bowl, maybe Cocoa Pops, and we... uh, (laughs) Or wheat bix are let's be honest. All right, bacon and eggs. We cook breakfast, we get dressed, and we maybe might leave the house in a rush or in a bit of haste, uh, only to go to work so that we can earn... You're still asleep this morning. (laughs) We get up early, we go to work so that we can earn... Money. Money is a part of life. Now, if you're a bit younger here today, you know, maybe you're at school age and you're kind of like, hang on a sec, I don't get up to go earn money, Caleb. Well, I'm going to tell you that you will be getting up, you'll be getting ready to go to school so that you can learn and increase your knowledge so that later on in life, your potential to earn will be greater. We think about money every day. We think about money at least every week, depending on uh, whatever situation we're in. In fact, maybe there's some of us here that are retired today. We're not going to work to, to go earn money, are we? But I'm sure there are times 
where money is on your mind. And in fact, you've probably lived a life where you have gotten up, you've eaten your breakfast, you've hopped in your car, and you've driven to a place where you can earn money. So then, this poses the question, because money is on our mind, does faith play a part in our finances? Or, let me flip it around, do finances play a part in our faith? How many of us have been in a place where finances may have been a little bit tight and our first response is to pray about it? Or we have wants or needs in our life, you know, and and our wants, our needs can usually involve finances. So quite often as a person of faith, we will sometimes submit our wants and our needs to God. We all think and act around money. Likewise, when we believe that God has plans to bring out change in a community or in an environment or in a church, it will quite often take resources of And and if we think about the practicalities around the faith around it, whether it's in a place to meet on Sunday, whether it's a program to make space for like-minded individuals or to talk about the things of God or even an outreach program, it all involves money or possessions. And so whether... um, My notes are interesting. (laughs) Or even work which provides for the people in the needs community, it all takes finances. So yes, finances play a part in our faith as well. So truth is, as I just said before, we think about monies often. Groceries, fuel for the car, electricity bills, water rates. Man, the other day I hooked up the trailer and I had a trailer full of stuff and I thought, I'm going to go take this to the dump. And I went in there thinking, oh yeah, this is going to be, you know, 40 bucks. You know, it's a little pile in the middle of my trailer. Anyway, chatting to the lady, it was $71. It hurt. It hurt. Money is one of these things that can give emotion. A person can measure their value or their worth depending on how fat their wallet is, what car they drive, or what house they live in. Money can be a comfort or it can make you uncomfortable. Talking about it right now can create all sorts of emotions. It can either create a sense of peace or it can cause a sense of dread or maybe a little bit of antsiness, like, oh, no, my goodness, what's he going to say? Am I going to get convicted today? We all talk about money and we have money on our mind. Money can be a way for us to step out in faith. Money can be an indication of where our faith is at. And money can be a vehicle for us to use for God's purposes. Money can see a work of God to fruition. And on the other side, it's important to note that we can either be in charge of our money and control that, or our money can be in a place where it controls us. And so the church as a whole should talk about money, possessions, often. Because what God thinks and cares about money actually matters. So over this two-week series, we're going to go through the Bible. We're going to see a history on money and tithing, whilst also getting some biblical ideas and instruction on money and possessions. Because if the truth is that God owns it all anyway, 
as it says in my Bible and as it's proven to be throughout my life, then I need to know what God thinks and says about money, as do you. Let's pray, shall we? Lord, we thank you. We thank you that you bring us to the house. We thank you that we get to sit around your word today. And we pray that we have soft hearts. We pray that as we hear about your word or you know, look, at, look at the history of, of, of different things in the Bible, Lord, that you just speak to us, that you grow us and that you continue the dialogue throughout the week, maybe even weeks. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. So how this morning is going to work is I'm going to do a little bit of teaching. There's going to be a lot of scriptures, so if you've brought some notepads or whatever, get ready to write a lot down because I'm not going to read them all out. And, uh, and then we will go home and we're going to ponder. Then, then there'll be a little bit of preaching. Uh, so just sharing a bit of a story and a bit of what, what it means. And then we're going to go home and we're going to ponder until next week. So it's going to be a two-part series. Uh, next week, there may be some practical advice as well as chats involved. But, you know, it's like a blank canvas, so we'll see, right? It's very good. So it seems like not only us, but Jesus, did, do we, did we get the PowerPoint working? Hey! It seems like not only us, but Jesus himself cared about money. He actually spoke about money all the time. If we have a look up here, Jesus taught 38 parables, 16 of which were about money or possessions. If we go over to the Gospels, one, ten, one out of 10 verses are about money or possessions. One-tenth, isn't that interesting? In all of the Bible, there are 500 verses on prayer. There are less less than 500 verses on faith. And there are more than 2,000 verses on money. So God cares about money. In fact, in the 80s, there was a guy named Dr. Larry Burkett who wrote a book called What God Says About Money. And the book was 280 pages long. And all it contained were scriptures on money. And so we're going to read them all this morning. (laughs) So yes, finances play a part in our faith. And the truth is... No. My my notes are all over the shelf at the moment. Like legit. We can do it. I apologise, I've been transitioning to doing it on my iPad and this morning, wouldn't you guess it, it was not sending at all. So give me a sec. Yes, I think we're there. So first of all, we're going we're gonna, to um, have a look at the history of giving, giving throughout the Bible, so throughout the Scriptures. So if you've got your notes and you want to type, type down some different uh, Scriptures, now is the time. So there is three types of giving that we see in the Bible. The first is tithing. The second is uh, an offering, which could either be a seed offering, so from your labour, fruits of your labour, or it could be a first fruits offering. And then the third that we look at is almsgiving which uh, Leanne loves using the word alms, and the first time she said it to me, I'm like, what is that? But almsgiving is basically caring for 
people in society that don't have what you have. <laughs> so tithing began in the Old Testament, and the first time we see someone tithe, which means a tenth, is Abraham when he gave a tithe to the priest Melchizedek in Genesis 14, 20. Now, Abraham came from a battle. He won the battle. He was in a place of victory, and he attributed that to God. And so Abraham then devoted a tenth of everything that he got from the, the winning spoils to priest Melchizedek. This then becomes a thing. We later see Jacob pays a tithe in Genesis 28 when he met God at Bethel, and we don't know why um, he gave a tenth or why Abe gave a tenth, but we assume that possibly it was because it's an act of worship. It's kind of like a sacrifice of my possessions. I'm going to worship you with the tenth. And so it could have been a significant amount, which then meant it's an act of worship. So to be in a way, it was a way that godly people that could recognise that there is a provider and faithfully honour him, and this can be true for us today. In Scripture, a little later, God commands a tithe when he hands down the law to Moses, but he has specific instructions attached to it. For example, other priests in other nations would receive a tithe, but they would become very rich and powerful because they were able to own land and buy property for themselves, which we see in an account of Joseph in the Bible, if you're looking through the Bible. You can also find some of these references online as well. But God insisted that the priests of, and the Levites of Israel were not allowed to have land or property for themselves as they were set apart for the service of the Lord. And a part of that service was to be dependent on God, but also dependent on the hearts of the people to honour the covenant that they made with the Lord. And everyone said, Amen. What this created was a deepened relationship between the people group and the priests. Because the, the authority of the priests did not depend on wealth or power, but instead a dependence of God. The priests offered the blessing and protection of God through their ministry to the people, and in turn, people provided for the financial needs of the priesthood. Leviticus 27 has a list of instructions to the Israelites that a tenth of everything belongs to the Lord and is for the use in his temple, of which the priests would get a portion to live on. And we see this in Numbers 18. So the, other, so the tithes are to go to the running of the temple and to the priests and the Levites. Deuteronomy 12 then gives us a picture of people bringing tithes and offerings to his temple, and then the people eat and celebrate a meal in God's presence. So that's like a little bit of history on tithing. Offerings. If we are to go to offerings and we look through the history of offerings, it begins in Genesis 4. So Genesis 4 gives us the account of Cain and Abel. They both, both brought offerings to the Lord. One was acceptable, one was not. Genesis 15, Abraham gives an offering to the Lord to say thank you. Genesis 46, Jacob gives an offering to the Lord. Genesis 22, we see a picture of a perfect lamb, which is Abraham's son Isaac, the one that he was promised, and he is asked to give that up, but then God provides the ram instead. 
he provides the offering for him. There is all sorts of offerings mentioned throughout the Old Testament. Leviticus 4, there is offerings for sin. Leviticus 5 and 6, there is guilt offerings. Leviticus 7, there is a peace offering. Leviticus 2, there is a cereal offering. I find it hard to believe that someone would give Fruit Loops to the Lord. I actually don't eat Fruit Loops, but you know, only on special occasions. And in Leviticus 1, we see burnt offerings. So these are offering, there are also offerings connected to feasts, so such as the Passover, which is in Numbers 28. We see then in Numbers 28 the festival of weeks. We then see the festival of trumpets. We then see the Day of Atonement. Is anyone like excited about this right now? The Festival of Tabernacles. Eight days of no work, which in later times become the Festival of Booths or tents where they remembered when God brought them out of Egypt and they stayed in tents in the desert and brought them into the Promised Land. All of that, all of those scriptures is found in Numbers 29. So you've all got some great weekly reading uh, to have a look at. Offerings for all sorts of occasions, and these were given on top of the tithe. But it was still an act of worship. Then we get to another type of giving in the Bible, which is almsgiving, or giving to the needy, those that can't work for themselves. In the Old Testament, although almsgiving is not explicitly mentioned, the duty of the duty of compassionate aid to the poor is strongly emphasised in parts of the Old Testament. God commanded the people, open wide your hand to your brother, to the needy and the poor in the land, Deuteronomy 15.11. The law required at the time that the gleanings, so the edges of the field, or the olive tree and the vineyard should be left for the poor or the transient in society, the fatherless and the widow. Leviticus 19, 9, Leviticus 10, Leviticus 23, 22, and Deuteronomy 24, 19 to 22. Every person in the Old Testament within the Israelite community was allowed as a special consideration for the poor and hungry to eat his fill from a grain field or a vineyard when passing. Deuteronomy 23, 24 and 25. And every third year, the tithe of their produce was given to the transient or the homeless, the fatherless and the widow. Deuteronomy 14, 28, 29. The fields were to be left fallow every seventh year that the poor of you, your people may eat. Exodus 23, 10, 11. It's a lot of information this morning. And the reason for the people's generosity to the poor was obedience to God's command. And the remembrance of his mercies in Exodus, in Exodus it was recognised that there would always be the poor in the midst of the people, but poverty was the exception rather than the rule when God's law was obeyed. Giving was a part of their covenant with God and also in the New Testament we see Jesus in Matthew 6, 4 says to give in secret because God sees what you will do and will reward it. 
Now, I kind of think about, um, I think about this and sometimes I have, uh, reading this, doing this research, really opened up a, 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 a can of worms for me. I was kind of like, oh, wow, this is, this is different. I've never, never read this before. I'm kind of like, okay, this is, this is amazing, Lord. What are, you, what are you saying to me? You know, like I need to, I need to explore this because there is more giving than just the few that I thought about. But true giving comes from a place instead of just observing what giving goes to, it comes from a place from the heart. If you really consider it, if you really think about it, why does a dad or a mum get up on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday and go to work to earn money? Well, it's because we want to provide for our children. We want to put a roof over our heads. We want to be warm in the cold. Uh, it's from the heart that that happens. It's a natural progression. And so too with the kingdom of God and how it works. My second point today is giving begins in the heart. See, we can read that list just before and we're kind of like, that's a huge list of stuff to do. That seems like a lot of giving, Caleb. Seems like you'd just be given all day. Giving from start to finish. But giving begins in the heart with a revelation of the kingdom and how it works. In Matthew 6, 19, 21, it says this, Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal, but lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal because where your treasure is, there your heart is also. Where do we get that idea from? Jesus himself said that. Where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Larry Burkett, in a message that he shared on money in the 80s just before he passed away, said, show me your checkbook and I'll show you your priorities. What do we prioritise as believers? Do we we prioritise what we are called to? with our finances, or do we just ignore it, put it in the back cupboard, we'll think about it later? Well, do we all remember Steve from late last year who came and he did some magic tricks and, you know, we had a... We all remember him? I'm trying to wake you up again because I noticed a few of you sleeping. Well, (laughs) he shared from OAC Ministries back in the day... And when I was 16 or 17, I was actually a part of the group that would go out and we would go on a beach mission to different places and, uh, and share the gospel in caravan parks. Now, this was a time of life where I was in my prime. I, was a, like I, was, I wasn't working, I was on Oz study, and that was just enough to get me to school and to do you know, a few bits and bobs here and there. And I remember coming up to this holiday season and I was kind of like, already committed to beach mission over in Stansbury, York Peninsula. It's only four hours away, you know, like it's, it's not super far, you know, but it's probably, probably the best part of a tank of fuel, especially in my little three-cylinder Suzuki Auto that I had represent. It went a whole 110 kilometres, foot flat to the floor. It was wild. 
had no back seat, and so I put curtains in it, fluffy dice in the mirror. You can picture it now, can't you? Yeah, it looked good. Now, I'd already committed to this beach mission, and I thought to myself, I actually really can't afford it this time. Maybe I'll, I'll say no. My wallet was empty. And, but I was challenged. I was challenged in my time with God. With the scripture that says, Seek first his kingdom, and all these things will be added to you. In that scripture, Jesus is talking about possessions. He's talking about money. Come on. And so do you know what I did? <laughs> Tell us! Yes, I went to Beach Mission anyway. So I used my last amount of money and I was just like, no, I'm going to commit to this because I know that this is what God has called me to at this time in my life. And I did not tell anyone about the decision that I made. I just went in faith. And it was a successful beach mission and we shared the gospel to all. There were decisions made. Children were then connected to churches that they could grow and flourish in over time. It was really good. Now, after the week of beach mission... I was a little bit suntanned, looked a little bit nicer, and I was leaving, and I hopped in my car, and as I walked up to my car, I saw on my seat there just a little envelope. Just a little envelope sitting on my seat there. Now, see, the Bible says that God owns the cattle on a thousand hills. Psalm 50, 10. And the Bible says that he is in all, He is all, he is under all, he is through all. The Bible says that his eye is on the sparrow. But do we believe this? Do we believe this in our actions? Do we reflect this as people of faith? Do we reflect it in our speech or in our words? Psalm 112.3, wealth and riches are in his house. And his righteousness endures forever. When we understand that true giving comes from a revelation of who God is, that wealth and riches are in his house, and that we are heirs to that, we begin to understand what his power presides over and what we have access to. The thing is, if our dad is a king... So he is going to support anything that lines up with building his kingdom. You think, let's think about it in a, in a kingdom perspective, right? You know, you're, you're king, you're, you're looking over your land, you're, you're just, you want them to prosper, you want to build new roads, you want to do all these different things. But then one of your sons says, hey, uh, hey dad, yeah, like, um, just really got my eye on this Ferrari and I, I just want to sort of cruise around in, in the kingdom over there and check it out and stuff like that. You're probably not going to give, give, you know, back that, are you? Instead, you're going to be like, well, hang on, if a son comes to you and says, hey, Dad, I, I want to I build this because I know that this is on your heart, are you going to give to that? You're going to get behind it and say, yes, I'm going to support that. When we understand that true giving comes from a revelation of who God is and that wealth and riches are in his house, and he is for his purposes, we have access to that. And our focus, we, 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 we begin to live differently. Our outward fo- focus becomes less on us and more on others and furthering God's kingdom. 
our focus becomes less on what we have and more on what he has. So does anyone want to know what was in that little envelope? I sort of, um, well, we're going to see you all next week. And... um, So back to that little envelope sitting on my seat. It was just sitting on my seat right there, and I saw it, and I'm kind of like, ah, what is this? Had my name on the front, Caleb. And I picked it up, and I opened it, and there was $150 inside. Right there. I could fill up my car three times over, maybe even almost a fourth, because it cost me $45 to... Anyway, to fill up fuel at the time. This was just at a time when fuel was going from 70 cents to a dollar, and a dollar really hurt. <laughs> Who reckons the story ends there? It doesn't. You want more? But that's not all. I haven't finished yet. I was on my way home and had planned to pop into a friend of a friend's house. I'd met them once at school. It was kind of an acquaintance at high school, and I thought, you know, they had a farm. I was a city slicker. I, wanna, I love farms. I love outdoors. I want to see that, and I want to visit them, say holla. And so I went there. We, you know, had a chat. They got some tea out, some cake. It was delicious. It was nice. We were, I was sharing what I was doing over in Beach Mission there. And, uh, and before I left, he was kind of like, oh, just move your car over here. And he ushered me over to their farm fuel tank where he proceeded to undo the cap of my car and fill up my tank to the brim. Not only did God provide the one thing that I was worried about, but he also gave me more than enough that I could put to something else. That deserves a round of applause. Not only had God provided, but he gave me more than enough. And we, as a church, as a people, cannot outgive God. Jesus gave us a great example in Scripture, Matthew 6.33, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added to you. He didn't just teach on this, but he lived it. Throughout his ministry, he taught and lived giving. His ministry was huge, but the whole time he amassed nothing but the clothes on his back and even those were taken from him when he was on the cross. If we reflect on Jesus, then maybe Christians should be the greatest givers. And if we don't have a clear understanding of God's kingdom and how we fit into his plan and his purposes, then we'll never be at a place where we want to give. Jesus is clear that we as followers of Christ are to seek the establishment of his kingdom and that our focus will shift from building a kingdom that is temporary, our kingdom, to a kingdom that is everlasting. And that's the good news today. Giving begins in the heart with a revelation of the kingdom and how his kingdom works. You cannot outgive God. Let's pray. Let's pray. This morning there's been a lot of information. A good chunk of the message was information. And I'll encourage you to explore this for yourself. You know, if, if you've never done it before or if, if it's something that you've got a handle on, great. You know, it's good to refresh our, 
you know, why we do what we do. And with the story, man, I thank the Lord that he brought me through that, that I, that I made those decisions at the time and saw his faithfulness. The first time in my life I saw the provision of God because I decided to lay down my own wants, my own needs and say yes to his purposes. That is my prayer for all of us today. That we are a church that practice what we preach. And we trust him implicitly. Yeah, it might be uncomfortable. But when we see the hand of God move, it's like the chef's kiss. He is for us. Father God, I thank you that your word is true. I thank you that your promises are true. And I thank you that you are faithful when we step out in faith and do something out of the ordinary for your kingdom's sake. You honour us. I just pray this week as we're in the middle of this two-part series, Faith and Finances, that you just begin to speak to us, Lord, that you allow our minds to be like a child's and we become inquisitive and we seek you in the space of our finances. In Jesus' mighty and holy name. Amen. Thank you. So next week we're going to possibly talk about some practicalities and, uh, and some other different bits and pieces. We may even have an interview style thing. So we'll, uh, we'll see how we go. But if you're visiting this morning, thank you. You can clap. That's all right. <laughs> thank you. Thanks for joining us. Remember, you can visit us at baysidechurch.org.au or listen to any more of our podcasts on your favourite listening app.